With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello friends and welcome once more to your Monday edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. And for the first time in a while, friends... It's a happy Monday podcast. I know they won in the FA Cup, but we're talking league. League is what really matters. And for the first time in a while, we can say it's a happy Monday because it's which town friends are back in business with a bang, an absolutely huge win on Saturday in front of the Sky Sports cameras coming from 1-0 down to beat promotion rivals, playoff chasers, Sunderland 2-1 at Fortress Portman Road. I'm Mark Heath. I'm back after a week off and I'm very happy to be reunited with two, probably my two favourite Kings, AJ and the boy Rossi. Rossi, how are you? How's things? Did you miss me? Yeah, the pressure's off me now. I don't have to worry about hosting. I'll just just chillax, really. Just uh, go with the flow. Um, but I'm very well, thank you. Um, you know, good weekend. Uh, town with a, a big win. Um, obviously, we'll talk about it. But um, no, welcome back, my friend. And happy birthday to good old Stuart Watson. Yeah, that's where Watto is. He's off today celebrating his birthday. I don't I don't think it's a significant birthday. I think that's next year, his 50th. Um, but yeah, so it's his it's it's his birthday today. And I know what he would absolutely love is if you all inundate his Twitter with happy birthday messages, because Watson loves all that. Um so if you do that for me, that'd be tremendous. That would really mean a lot to him. Uh, AJ, the youngest of our group, the hairiest. Well, you're actually the second hairiest of our group, aren't you? Ross still takes that crown. Um yeah, all right, Ross, put your chest away. That's your party piece. Uh, how are you, AJ? How's things? Yeah, all good. Um, this is now reminding me of that time where Ross tried to show off his legs by standing up on the on the sofa and giving us a nice view of down below, which I think would be a good manscaped advert. Um, <laughs> yes, all good. Ha- uh, yeah, your two favourite kings. Happy birthday, Stu. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hope- hoping he has a, uh, a good day and nice break. Um, He's got a, a yeah, a nice little uh, a few days off this week at least. Um, so I'm sure that he'll enjoy it, and at least if he can celebrate his birthday, and we can celebrate Saturday's win. Exactly, celebrations all round. What was um because obviously with me not being around, Stewie was the boss last week, boys. What's what's his management style like? I'd imagine he's uh, extremely autocratic, quite dictatorial. I'd imagine shouts at you down the phone every five minutes or so. Is that the sort of style that Watson goes with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, have you ever seen like one of these North Korean documentaries or something? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> People who've escaped North Korea. Yeah. So. No, all good. Um, fewer morning meetings, uh, more phone calls to make sure that I haven't like done anything absolutely catastrophically wrong. Yeah. Like sent 80 pages off to print by accident or something like that. Or yeah, anything terrible. That's the, the main gist of it. We're calling him Kim Jong Watson now, are we? Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that what we're saying? Kim Jong um, Stu. Kim Jong Stu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? Uh, do you know what I did last night, boys, on my, on my week off? Other than you can see behind me, I've, I've finally put some pictures up in the office, which I've uh, I've had lying on my bed for about a year and a half. And I've always said, I'll, I'll do that when I get some time. 
Last week was the time, friends. Last week, I bought myself, boys, I don't really know what came over me, but I um, I bought myself a velvet jacket. Uh, one of the highlights of my year, there's a there's a, a clothes shop in Berry called Javelin, and every year they have a New Year's sale. It's like a designer kind of clothes shop. Um, and the, the sale is genuinely one of the highlights of my year because I love all that. And uh, for some reason, I wandered in. I saw a velvet jacket. I'd had it on my to-buy list for a long time. Half price, get it on. I don't know when I'm going to wear it because I barely leave the house. Um, and I, it's not the sort of thing you'd wear to a football game, to be honest, boys. Can you wear uh, it on the pods? I could, I suppose. Is I could this going to be a thing? I mean, pod. Ross has his jacket. You can have yours. Maybe if we do some sort of awards thing, it's the sort of thing you'd wear to like the Golden Globes, but I'm never going to go to the Golden Globes. Well, so I floated the idea of doing our mid season predictions yeah. at some point on the pod, maybe something like that. I or like, like that. an end of, end of season awards pod, yeah. something. Something, yeah. you know. I did think after I'd bought it, it's just going to now hang in my, my wardrobe for, for ages before I'm ever going to wear it, if indeed I do ever wear it. But it makes me feel good I've got it, boys. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those things you buy and you think, yeah, I'm pleased I've got that. Anyway, friends, let's not talk about velvet jackets much longer. Let's talk about football because Ipswich Town put in a huge performance, boys, at the weekend. Um, and we'll kick off just with your general thoughts about it. We'll hear from McKenna first. But um, beating Sunderland 2-1 at home, they were 1-0 down. Sunderland, a team that had dropped zero points from winning positions this season, uh, clearly without several key players as well. Uh, I thought it was an absolutely gigantic win for Ipswich Town. Um, AJ, what, what, what did you make of it? Because I think it's one of those things that when we look, if Town do end up doing anything this season, this mm-hmm. is one of those points you'd look back on and go, that was tremendous. Because going into this game, five games winless in the league, they fall behind against the side, as I say, good front runners, lots of key players missing. It would have been easy and, and probable in, in Ipswich Town days of old for the team to fold, they lose, and then Southampton a second, and who knows where we go from there with Leicester coming up. Um, but that's not what happened, friends. They fought mm-hmm. back. They showed that resilience that there has become a, a trademark and they got the win. Yeah, I think one of the things that I looked at after the game thinking was this is a side that finished in the top six last season. It's a side that is in and around the top six, would have been in the top six if they won and had beaten Town, will be in that conversation for the rest of the season. Town have done the double over them. They've gone one 2 one at the same light on the opening day and then they've done the same, same scoreline at Portman Road. Yeah, it just shows where they're at. If you're able to come up against these kind of teams home and away and put in those kind of performances and get those kind of results, then again, you're going to know where you're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Um, Performance-wise, I think there was a a pretty clear improvement. Maybe in the first half, signs a few similarities in terms of a sense of they were doing all the right things. And aside from the the Caden Jackson guy, I just felt like they weren't quite as clinical. That all changed in the second half. I thought they looked really, really good. Um, balance of play on chances and we'll talk about some or one in particular that some of them missed but I think that they probably had the better of them um and it just felt like a um a convincing win and one that they really really needed wasn't it that, that's mm. the, the most important thing here when you look at the last few weeks I don't necessarily think that performance levels have dipped too much but you know performance levels don't get you points it's going out there scoring goals and winning games that's what they did and to do that against this level of opposition in that style really impressive right then let's hear from Kieran McKenna and then we'll hear from you Rossi here is the boss talking about the the victory yeah I thought it was a really good game tough game against a against a good side lots of talented players were a really high technical level um 
So it was a really hard fought game and uh, you know a really strong and committed performance was needed to get the win and that's what we that's what we gave. Um, yeah, I thought it wasn't our smoothest performance in terms of you know some of our build up and some of our connections through the pitch, but that's normal and to be expected. It's normal across the season. You're not always going to be your best, but obviously with the players we have missing as well and new players coming in, things aren't always going to be as, as smooth as they are with players with great familiarity. Um, but when you're not at your your absolute highest level, then you know you have to show all the other ingredients, the commitment, the intensity, running the work rate for the team. And um, we certainly showed all that, both those who started and those who came on. I thought we carried a threat throughout the game really we had you know the better of the chances and uh yeah great to get the winning goal of the set play as well so look overall i think a really a good night a strong performance of course areas to keep improving but i think that's both natural and understandable and um really nice of course for the for the group and for the supporters and everyone to get the, the feeling of a victory victory go on then rossi so mckenna was happy how was it for you you're on mute, bar. That's ruined it now. It's completely ruined it. Had a great speech and everything sorted. Um, but no, it was, it was a big win, boy. It was a big, big win. Under lights, first win in five league games. Having to come back as well from conceding. Mm. Um, missing four players. It was a great game of football under lights at Portland Road. Live on Sky as well. The cameras... The pundits saying, yeah, it's just town, they're going to fall apart. But no, big win. And these boys put in a good performance. And uh, town fans were very happy. It was a better atmosphere than it was, at say, the last game against QPR. Yeah. Um, so it sort of adds to it. But um, no, big, big win. Mm. Keep on talking, pundits. That's what I say. Um, seems to be a bit of a theme. Give give them something to pin up on the dressing room wall, eh? Chris Sutton, Don Goodman, etc. cetera. Uh, Rossi, I'll stick with you. The team, you, you mentioned the team there. Surprise, clearly. Um, the question's going in. We knew, obviously, Sam Morsey wasn't going to be playing. Um, but we didn't know that Massimo Luongo wouldn't be playing. An unfortunate injury suffered in training on Thursday. Rolled his ankle. He's got scans this week. Obviously, there were questions around who would be captain. Connor Chaplin was captain. Who would start up top? Caden Jackson. We saw Davis and Clark return as well. What, what did you What did you make of the team when it was announced? Yeah, not surprised like many people, really. You know, obviously, you're like, going, please, please, Davis back. Please, mm. please. And he was back, which is great. Got new boots, by the way, which look very good on him. Preds. Has he? Yeah, he's got new boots, yeah. What's he very got? Uh, they're Preds, aren't they? Adidas Preds. So I, I'm not I don't really know, mate. I didn't see him. I'm really, I'm really bad with, with boots. AJ, are you more knowledgeable with, with modern I did boots? see the term Adidas Predators thrown about on Twitter when you put the photo out, so I, I'd assume... That's... They're nice, though, are they, Ross? You can confirm that they're nice boots. I like them. They're I like slick. Them. I like them. Yeah. I think he's definitely a left-back boots, definitely. And um, he, he, Well, he deserves to wear them because he's a, he's a quality player. Um, yeah. And obviously playing against Sunderland, as him being a big Newcastle fan, um, or Geordie anyway, I'm sure he loved that win. But um, mm. no, good to see him back. Good to see Harry Clark back, obviously. It's good to actually have players who are in their natural positions. You know, I thought Axel Twandate Zabie's done well when he's come yeah. in. But to actually have a proper right-back and a proper left-back, it's good to see. Um, I'm sure we'll get on to Lewis Travis later. Obviously, having to step in in some big shoes, you know, with Sam Orsi out and then Massimo Luongo mm. playing alongside Jack Taylor, that was a, a big sort of talking point going into it. Because, yeah, Travis making his debut, we'll get, we'll get on to it. I won't take all the gold just yet. We'll do a nice little segment on that. Um, and then up front, obviously, yeah, that, that was a big talking point. It was like Nathan Broadhead 
potentially go up front. Mm. But no, Caden Jackson was there. And um, obviously he, yeah, shut some of the doubters up because uh, he scored, which we'll get on to shortly. So I'm just segueing on different things here. But yeah, <laughs> team anyway, I think everyone was somewhat surprised, but very happy with, with the team overall. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, should we talk about the start of the game then, AJ? Because I, I must say, early doors, if there were there were sloppy moments, I thought, for town. Um, Harry Clark obviously got done a couple of times. Jack Taylor, I thought, was looking particularly sloppy early doors, giving the ball away. Um, and then clearly Sunderland took the lead. So what, what did you make of, of, of the opening to the game? Can I just say, Ross touched on Leif Davis there a little mm. bit. Has anyone seen his... Uh, he did a retweet. There was a tweet that got put out which said... Uh, about to see Geordie smoke Sunderland two weeks in a row with a photo of Isak and Leif Davis got quote retweeted with Sunderland's owners and three laughing emojis subsequently retweeted by Leif Davis himself. So nice. I think he really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, start of the game, sloppy. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the best way of putting it. Um, felt a little bit disjointed at times. And the biggest concern for me is that Towns in possession game is so, so good. It's been such an important part of their season. And it just felt that at times... They were getting the ball into their own half, into their own third, and um, the, the passing wasn't quite there more than anything. Mm. And it, it was the same for Sunderland as well. I know that Dan Neal in his post-match reference that they felt that their passing was just all over the place. And some players who usually are so, so good in that aspect, the one that stands out to me, Jack Taylor, I just thought at times, um, despite some of the good bits that he did, I just want to see a little bit more accuracy there and... Um, especially in terms of trying to get the ball forward. Some of those ones over the top potentially is an aspect of saying, well, if you haven't got George Hurst, you know, they've spent hours on the training ground practicing long balls over to George Hurst for him to hold them up, bring others into play. Mm. Kane Jackson isn't that. And I felt that maybe without Hurst's presence up top, that changed the kind of perspective of things a little bit. It, it made them have to think in different ways, bring in the wide players, um, change things, as I said, when they're in possession, when they're in their own third, when they're passing around with the two midfielders, things like that. Um, they found that balance eventually, but definitely in the first kind of 20, 30 minutes, there were some aspects where I was thinking is a, a little bit of, it almost felt like rustiness, but I think it was more than anything, just the fact that these are, it's a team that's had a lot of changes and it's got new players in it and uh, um, players that are coming back from injury, all those kind of things. I think they just added to it and it, it took a little while for them to get into full flow. Yeah. Um, so 1-0 down at home, winless in five games, Southampton sitting in second above them. Um, and you start to think, oh, well, maybe this is, isn't going to be what we what we hoped. But then that man KJ pops up, Rossi. He's a, he's a guy that we've, we've spoken about a lot on this show. He's a guy that I think it would be fair to say has been a bit of a scapegoat at times as well for, for kind of fan frustrations. Um, obviously one of the longest serving Ipswich Town players now um, is going to be thrust into the into a new role, at least for the in the short term. Um, and Stu spoke before the game, I know on last week's pod about how much a KJ goal would mean. And Julie, he delivers Rossi. He gets a chance. He's had a chance before that, hadn't he? I think off the top of my head, uh, I missed it. But then this one, he pounces on ball, kind of bounces to him in the box. He makes no mistake at all. And that was that was huge to get a goal. What? less than 10 minutes after Sunderland had taken the lead. Yeah, I thought it was a um, great spirit from the the town side, really, because, yeah, going mm. one nil behind, you know, with, with a current runner on and Sunderland are a very good team. Um, but for us to, to get that goal, you know, Travis involved, um, you know, on his debut. Um, and then, yeah, Kane Jackson 
calm as you like, slots at home, and um, obviously, of course, you know, runs back, and we're looking to make it two one at some point. Um, but now, nah, fair play to Ken Jackson. Obviously, a lot of people. I don't know. I think a lot of players do look at social media. They probably say they don't, but they probably do. And mm. obviously, there's a lot of comments out there. And I know he's not the the fan favorite, um, but obviously, he's been here, and his journey is unbelievable. Like you know. We've done so many different pieces on it from when he first signed and then getting chucked into the, you know, the under 23s. Was it under Paul Lambert? Yeah, naughty yeah. step, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then other bits and bobs that's got he's gone through. And um, for him to still be here and now starting up front in a, a big game against a promotion, you know, rival and to step up and score, um, fair play to the lad because um, some players were just you know, fall apart, wouldn't they? And just, you know, they'd never be able to recover. But nah, um, obviously he's not my sort of like favourite player to to watch in this team, but I always do give him some, you know, appreciation because for him to come in, play up front, obviously he's been playing on the wing hmm. this season mainly, um, but he's now scored three championship goals, which doesn't sound a lot, but um, for him to come into this team, um, when you've got George Hurst, who is our, you know, that is the, the favourite up front, um, but now, fair play to Caden Jackson and um, a big goal at a big time as well. Yeah, let's hear from Kieran McKenna about Caden Jackson because I want to spend a bit more time talking about KJ. Let's hear from the boss first. Yeah, we know what he can give us. His, his strengths are obvious. It's you know he's he spent probably the last eighteen months, the large majority of that working as a right winger and um, you know developing his game and developing his pitches there. And now through. Um, through injuries, he's he's having to you know work now as a centre forward again and develop those habits and those position and and that's not easy. Um, and he's he's done terrifically at that. Um, and he gave what you do know he will give. He he's his work off the ball. So striker is as good as anyone in the league. He stretches the opposition and gives the the number tens and those behind him a chance to to get on the ball and um, to top that off is great for him to get a goal because on an individual individual level, of course, you know all forwards and all strikers want to score. And um, to top it off with a really good finish uh, makes it a good night for him. And, and, of course, we're all really pleased for, him. pleased for him. I suppose when you look at it, AJ, and you look at trying to replace George Hurst, who is, is kind of a unique player, isn't he? What what McKenna wants from his striker is he wants pressing, harrying, constant effort, basically running yourself into the ground. He wants that physical threat. And he's not really too bothered. I mean, he said before about George Hurst, doesn't really, he's not going to judge him on goal. So of, of those things... What Caden Jackson can definitely do is the pressing, the harrying. He's got the pace. He's got the the kind of work ethic, the non-stop, never stop running sort of thing. He, he hasn't obviously got the physical side of his game and he's he's not the most prolific of strikers. But if you're looking in the short term, at least, Caden Jackson can do that pressing. That's, that's something he, he definitely can do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to look at when you're looking at the replacements as well. We we're talking about getting a striker and two strikers in. Hmm. How often... how Easiest to find someone who, across the course of a season, obviously, you know, we're looking at half season now, can go and score 20 goals as a 20 goal striker. And that's kind of the level that Tam wants to get. You're not going to do it. I'm going to, uh, it's, it's, there's how many in the world are there mm. that in a, a top league and, yeah, championship is a second tier, but still can go and do that. There aren't many. And you look at Caden Jackson with the minutes that he's had to score three, I think is, is still a fairly good return. If you put him in this team from the start, gave him the minutes that George Hurst had. How many would he be on? I I wouldn't. I suppose he was on a similar kind of number. Now, Hurst obviously mm. kind of offers more. You look at his work, as we kind of touched on his physicality, the way he holds up the ball, the fact that he has six assists as well, which mm. is fairly crazy. But 
in terms of kind of at least ticking some of the boxes, and one of the things that Kieran McKenna's referred to in the past is with strikers, especially in this window with what they're trying to bring in, it's unlikely they're going to find someone that's going to tick every single box in terms of what they want. Um, I think that Caden Jackson does have quite a lot of that, so he definitely has a part to play. And I know that there is this kind of talk of, you know, he's someone that's been in League One, didn't really set the world alight in that sense, been in the Championship, done that. I probably mentioned in the past, but the water levels rising, is there a sense mm. of his long-term future being at this club? Who knows? But at this point, in this current situation, he's such a valuable asset. Um, you look at his versatility, you look at his pace, his energy. Yes, there are areas where he lacks what, what you need to be a really top number nine in terms of probably the way that he sees the game. I know there's kind of talks about him and staying off sorry onside, things like that, his finishing, all those kind of things. But I really think that he has enough attributes to, to play a really important part in this team. And that's, in fairness, regardless of um, what the injury situation is, I think that if Hurst was fit, he'd still have a big part to play in this team. And he's shown that, A, in the Sunderland game, and B, actually in the appearances that he's made off the bench so far this season. I've been really impressed. Mm. Just generally on the striker search, Rossi, I was thinking about this in my week off and I was listening to you boys talk about it. I don't think we can, we can overestimate how difficult this is going to be in January because George Hurst is, is out until the back end of the season. So you're not only you're looking to sign, you're not looking just to get someone in as a backup, which is what you're normally doing in January, I guess, someone to strengthen. You're looking to sign someone who's going to lead the line for a promotion push into the Premier League. So a lead striker, in essence, is what you're looking to get in January. That is such a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Because immediately all the prices are going to be like this because people know you're after a striker. That kind of quality of player to bring in, right, you go and lead us into the Premier League, son. That That's so difficult, Rossi. It is very difficult. Um, and as you know, you know, as you said, people know we need a striker. So there's going to go, OK, yeah, you want, you want so-and-so. Yeah, mm. they're going to add another zero to it. They're going to add another something to it. And um, it needs to be the right striker that I'm sure McKenna wants to, who can fit his team. Um, you know, we always go back to the 2000s, you know, Marcus Stewart coming in. Um, obviously, that was a, a different time because the transfer windows were all over the place back then. I don't think there was a transfer window back then. No. I think you could sign anybody. Um, but now you've got these 31 days to bring in a striker. Um, obviously, this player's got to settle as well. He's got to come here and want to to live here and all that. Um, that's another big thing, you know, maybe fans don't think of, you know, players having to, if they've got families and stuff, mm. um, but obviously if they want to play football, want to be part of a promotion winning team, then they'll, they'll come. But yeah, it's a, it's a, a not a great window to sign a striker in, um, but hopefully they can bring in the right player and there's different links out there. Um, I'm sure we'll cover that in, in due course when, when we hear more, more about it. Um, but yeah, I think at the moment, Kane Jackson did the job um, and, yeah, got the goal. And that's what you want. Your striker to score goals and, and that's what he did. Yeah, certainly in, in the short term, Jackson has at least some of those elements that to, to fill George Hurst's large boots. Right then, should we get back to the game? Should we talk about Travis now as well uh, before we get on to the kind of the other, the, the winning goal, etc. Um, Lewis Travis, just signed, not played a lot this season barely had any time to train with his new teammates, AJ. He's thrust straight into the starting lineup unexpectedly. He wouldn't have been expecting that. I guess he may have known since Thursday there was a good chance he was going to play. Um, what did you make of him on debut? 
Well, we've had two games before this one where Sam Morsey's been out. It was Huddersfield 1-1 mm. and um, QPR 0-0. And you could tell so much that Sam Morsey was not in the team. It really yeah. was chalk and cheese. And then you have Lewis Travis come in and you really didn't feel that Sam Morsey was absent. And look, they're not total like for light replacements. I think that Sam Morsey on the ball is a totally different player. He's a lot better in that sense. He's a lot better in terms of his passing and the, the way he can kind of push forward. And um, yeah, I think in an attacking sense, he probably offers a bit more. The defensive qualities pretty much like for like in that sense um the way that he was getting stuck in the way that he was shielding the back line his positional sense all of those things now for a player that hasn't had a great deal of minutes and does need to get up to speed with the way that town want to play there are similarities with blackburn but it's not at all the same mm. um i thought he slotted in really really well and yeah i probably did say in the sense there that his on ball stuff wasn't perfect but you still look he, he played a part in that um, equaliser with the through ball there there were definite signs that he can get to a very kind of similar level to Sam Morsey it'll be interesting to see what his role is in the team actually when you look at um, the fact that it is kind of the, the first choice in that position is someone who's played every single game that he's not been suspended for essentially mm. um, that squad that doesn't it that's what town need and that's what I've seen a lot of people say oh town are going to fade away because they don't have squad that well if you've got Lewis Travis and um, Sam Morsey as your two options in that position shows exactly that kind of ambition, I think. This is town who've gone out, got a captain from another team and brought him in to compete with their captain. Um, and in terms of the qualities that they have, very, very similar. There's not a big step down and that will mm. keep people fresh. And I think he's going to be a really big asset over the course of the next, what is it, 19 odd games. Mm. Yeah, it was definitely an impressive debut. Let's hear from the boss what he made of Lewis Travis. Thought he, I thought he done well. It's as I said before the game with the in-house media. It's it's a big challenge to be honest to come into our group um, for you know in, in any position really and have a few days training and going straight into the team for a game like that is a big challenge. But probably in the in the number six position is probably the biggest challenge of all because so much of our play goes through there. Our our, our job description in midfield is really specific. The players who have played in there have worked hard for a long period of time now on certain details that enable you know us to to play through the pitch well and um, to come into that after a few training sessions with a late injury on Thursday afternoon that that changed our plans really. Normally Lewis would have would have been on the bench tonight and had a chance to integrate from the bench. So to come straight into the team is a big challenge and I thought considering that he coped admirably. I thought he showed his. Showed his uh, physicality, showed his character and his, his bravery on and off the ball, um, did some good things. And of course, now he'll be stronger for the game and a chance to, to work on some things to improve on. And um, yeah, I think really good to get the first one out of the way nice and early when it ended like it did today. What did you make of, of Mr. Travis on his debut then, Ross? And also, I assume you spoke to fans about it after the game, but the consensus seems to be fantastic, cracking, very impressive debut. Yeah, I think I used the word solid. I thought it was a solid mm. sort of debut for him. Um, starting, obviously, um, just he looked like an organised um, player. Uh, got in, got stuck in. I think the, there's a few Blackburn fans saying, what you bring here is that you'll you'll tackle your nan for three points. So um, <laughs> he definitely did that, didn't he? Um, and yeah, he just, he was solid. Like I think I wasn't going to go overboard on it. Um, yeah. There were you know, a few moments where he maybe not did, 
didn't do what sort of Sam Morsey would do. You know, he, he wants the ball all the time. Um, but as I said, he got was involved with the, the equaliser, um, which just was organised. He's very much like Don Ball, in my opinion, how he moves and how he's like, even his facial like movements, like he's always like, I swear there's Don Ball and him. They both like, they always do something with their nose. They're always like, like going, Psh, I was like, have you always got a cold, boys? Because that's what I always see. Um, and they always like they're chewing something as well. But um, but no, just a solid, you know, first start. And um, for him to get chucked in, um, obviously, I'm sure they've been pairing all week for Massimo and Jack Taylor, potentially. But him yeah. to come in um, against a very good team in Sunderland. You know, Sunderland are, you know, promotion chase inside. Okay, their, their away record's not great. But to come in and play the way we have to play, I thought he did really well. And I think a lot of fans were pretty impressed as well. Um, I think just how he is on the pitch because he's another leader that we need in this team. So, mm. um, yeah, fair play, Lewis Travis. Who teaches footballers, by the way, to do that? That <laughs> jettison mucus out of the nostril. I don't know if you've ever tried that, boys. It's actually quite hard to do. It, with any kind of effectiveness. Normally, you try that, it just dribbles out and you've got it if all I have a cold, definitely. I, in the shower, I just quickly go... You can do it, can you? It. You've yeah. taught yourself. It seems yeah. to be one of these special skills you have to have as a footballer, uh, amongst obviously being a good at football. Being able to jettison <laughs> fluids from your nose comes in useful. Um, friends, let's talk about subs, shall we? A tale of, of subs for both sides, because first of all, I want to talk about a sub for Sunderland, who didn't have the best of nights. Adil Oshish, whose name in this case is onomatopoeic oh sheesh so Hladke we know live by the sword die by the sword he's going to make mistakes every now and then and he made one which presented oh sheesh with a chance to score but oh sheesh he missed it AJ oh you nicked my joke I was waiting for that um <laughs> yes this was pretty astonishing to be honest um mm. not a good cameo for this man and it's, it's bizarre because I think he's actually been quite impressive from what Sunderland fans have said over the course of the season but it's a, a back pass or a pass out from the back rather from um, from Vaz that comes out I think it gets intercepted by Bellingham Bellingham sets up Pritchard Pritchard squares it to Oshish in the middle it's it's not quite an open goal but you're one-on-one with a goalkeeper who's off his line it's one of the easiest finishes you'll get and he fires wide um Look, you talk about moments that could define a game. This one absolutely defined the game. That goes in. You're looking at a totally different story. Having mm. to come from behind, I can't remember exactly when that was. Pretty sure it was after the hour mark. Um, quite a bit after the hour mark, maybe. But if you're looking at having to come from behind, then having also worked as hard as Town had to to really battle and slave away in that second half would have been such a killer blow. Mm. Um, I know Stu referenced it in our post-match video. I mean. It could define a game, could define a season because you think if they'd gone on and lost this, what position they would have been in. Um, I look, you can't necessarily say it would define a season, perhaps, but um, it was such a huge moment and the pendulum then swung. It just felt like that was the chance. Sunderland mm. hadn't done a great deal up until that point in the second half. I think they grew a bit tired and leggy. And one of the things that uh, Ian slash Mick Beal uh, has been criticized for is kind of playing the same players relentlessly when they need a rest. And you could tell that they were looking quite fatigued. And when that one went wide, I think a few heads started to drop. Mm. Yeah, and obviously Oshish went on to, to give away the free kick from which town mm-hmm. scored the winner. Before we get to that, though, McKenna turned to his bench and brought on a battalion of, of a trio of subs, um, who, again, I, I thought were excellent. It, we, we talk about town squad maybe being a bit depleted at the time, but to be able to turn to the bench and bring on Jeremy... Ross, Jeremy, 
Sorry, Minto, no. Gaza. <laughs> Oh, there's someone actually there's a YouTube comment on the um, game day, and someone, yeah. um, if I can find it quickly, um, talk amongst cells before when I get this up. But um, I thought fair play to this man who did this comment. I think he even gave up trying to help me. Uh, even in the comments, people are now getting to that point. But then some people are slipping up. I think uh, the what's his name, the PA announcer at Town, I think he said it wrong. So Mark Murphy, the, yeah, yeah. So it's not hard to say. That's what I don't understand. I think it's I in know, your head now. Know, so you said it perfectly on the show last week. Anyway. To be able to turn to the bench and bring on Jeremy Sarmiento, uh, Omari Hutchinson, and, and your mate, AJ, Don Ball. Um, and I, I thought that they all added to this game. Uh, I'm going to ask you about them in a little bit, but let's hear from McKenna, first of all, on those subs. Yeah, I really like the subs, to be fair. Um, again, it's such a big part of our playing style, first of all, because the intensity that the, the, the players play at you know, it's, it's almost impossible for the forward players to do it for 90 minutes, to be honest. So um, we, we make changes in every game. Those who come on the pitch have as important a role as those who start the game. Um, and yeah, I thought Omari, you know, came on and gave us his, his usual thrust. I thought Jeremy did terrific, to be honest, for his first game at Portman Road. And um, both his impetus, he gave us on the ball, but the, the running, the, I love the, the tackle. I know he got caught with it, but that's the type of thing that, you know, just endears you straight away to your teammates, to a crowd. And he's um he's a really talented footballer. I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy watching him play. But when you do something like that within 10 minutes, it shows that you're you're all in. Um, I thought Dominic done terrific. Again, I have to say, almost every time he comes on the pitch, I end up saying the same thing. But he has two things to do of real importance in the game. One of them's a 1v1 with, you know, one of the best wingers in the league down the side of the box and he steps across him, wins the ball back and we go up the pitch. And uh, I thought Mark's done really well coming on as a nine as well, to be honest. Held the ball up, won some flick-ons, won some throw-ins and, you know, they're little things, but they're, they're massive in the margins of a game. So, yeah, I really like the impact from, from all the subs tonight. Go on then, AJ. Tell us, uh, tell us how good Don Ball was. You might as well get that off your chest. Um, I think that Finally, there'll be like global recognition for this man's <laughs> camera. Do you think that he he knows that like I'm the one man member of the Don Ball fan club on this punk on this podcast? Do you think that there's like an idea has anyone floated to him? Like, have you ever listened to it? Have you ever heard yeah. how much they talk about you? Um, yeah, he was. I think again, I, I talk about this a little bit with Travis coming in for Morsey, but it, it just felt like there wasn't much of a step down. He came in and did his job. Mm. I think the Again, the biggest compliment I could pay, the fact that you take Travis out, he played so well, and you didn't feel his absence. So, again, shows the depth. Um, I know that there maybe been a few talks about, well, with Travis coming in, how does Dumball fit into this? Dumball fits in anywhere. Swiss Army knife, as I've always called him. Um, and that was really, really important. And I think, especially when you bring on two very exciting attacking players with him who did really, really well, um, having that kind of solid base, maintaining the solid base was important to give them the license to go and do what they need to do. And, and they haven't always been able to do that. You look at the Wimbledon game where um, Amari Hutchinson had to do a lot of defensive work that game. Um, the most important thing about having the anchor in midfield, because you have Jack Taylor there who likes to push forward and do that. Having the anchor there and then town have three options for that just means that the players who you want to have on the ball to do the exciting things, to take on their man, to shoot, all those kind of things. They don't have to then worry about constantly tracking back. It doesn't have to always be in the back of their mind. And Don Ball was a big part of the continuation of that. Did you find your comment, Rossi? What was the, what was the comment on the 
on the YouTube. Uh, this is from Georgine. I probably said his name wrong as well, to be fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just basically, wow, everyone's done this to me. Like, you know, put it in, you know, sections. Yeah. me en toe. Is that you say it? That's exactly how you say it, Ross. Yeah. yeah and he went, for the love of Jeremy. So, <laughs> so there we go. I've said it right on the podcast. You said it right. You've nailed it, mate. Well, so Jezza, Jezza or Jugs or whatever. Um, Jugs, yeah. So anyway, they made an impact and then Town make the biggest impact of the game through Leif Davis and, and Connor Chaplin. The connection, that, that man O'Sheesh gives away a, a needless free kick, which, which Ian Bill wasn't happy about after the game. Uh, and then Leif Davis whips it in. Connor Chaplin, friends, right? This is one of the great mysteries of our time, like along with things like who who built the pyramids, who watches Mrs. Brown's boys, that kind of thing. Like, how does Connor Chaplin continually get left in space in the box? Because surely everyone, with all the analysis around football these days and the sides watching, that must be one of the main things on the sheet before the game for the, the opposition. Keep an eye on Connor Chaplin. Make sure he's not on his own because he's got this kind of otherworldly ability to just find himself completely unmarked in the box, AJ. And there he is, bash, 2-1, Tanner on their way. To quote the famous Stuart Watson, it's not about size, it's how you use it. Absolutely. Um, Go and watch the post-match reaction video for more on that one, because, God, that was a car crash. Um, Yeah, I think that essentially teams just look at him and go, oh, he's five foot six. what's he going to do? If they have a big swing into the box, what what is someone like him going to do? Um, teams have occasionally started to wise up to the fact that he is unmarked on the edge of the box from a lot of corners and Town have this thing where they want to pick him out and have him take a shot and he's scored, I think he's scored one, maybe two from that position off the top of my head but he's also, I think, hit the bar, had blocks, all those kind of things a few times now Um, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't expect him to come in with a Bullet header, because that's what it was. This thing mm. fizzed. It wasn't a looping one. It wasn't one we say keeper's got to do better. He gets his head on this, and this thing flies. Um, real power behind it. It's one of those where, with the power on it and the way that you've got the fans behind the goal, just erupted. Watching the video back, it's absolutely superb. And the one thing I also have to point out with it, the celebration scenes afterwards were fantastic. Ross got some fantastic photos of that. Just him running away, has the badge. You've got all the players around him. Sarmiento loving it. Um, Nathan Broadhead looking like he's about to have a heart attack in the background. All those things. It's just fabulous. It was Again, we talk about these kind of big goals, big moments. You can pick out a few. The one that always comes to mind is what Sam Morsey's up to. The one against Leicester where he raised the roof with that deflection. He had one against Watford, all those kind of things. This is right up there just because of the, the fan reaction to it as well. It was just superb. Mm. Rossi, you're obviously pitch side for all these games. Do you get any kind of extra insight into, into Chaplin's movement? Is there? How does he manage it? it, it it's like, I know he's small, and I, I think he's, he's kind of said himself that maybe that helps him and that he's, he's quite diminutive, maybe helps um, him go a little under the radar for defenders. But his movement and ability to, to, to find pockets of space and it's not a secret that's what one of the main things town do isn't it in terms of those those pullback crosses and and corners to him um and yet he, he continues to to do it he's just an intelligent footballer and um him and leaf davis have just got that connection they, they know mm. each other they know each other where to go where to move um and yeah i'm sure they you know opposition teams do do their research and everything like that and they sort of go yeah this player will do that blah 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 but in the game Things go up, don't I? And 
He just he's there, right place, right time. And I think McKenna said, given five foot seven, not five foot six, given that extra little bit there. Um, but yeah, fantastic scenes, unbelievable scenes. I will admit, I was like going shit um, because when they come, the players come to you and celebrate. You're also now needing to make sure you got a different lens for like a wide angle. And I didn't bring a wide angle lens with me, so I was buggered. I only got a bit of the celebration, um, but um, unbelievable scenes. Um, and that's what you love about football, don't you? Where the fans and the players together celebrating a goal like that because it was a, a very important goal at a very important time. Um, and for good old Connor Chaplin getting the goal, um, I think he's ninth for the season, so he's nearly got mm. double figures this season. So you know, good on Connor. Um, but just, just can't believe the shortest man on the pitch scores a header when you've got some big Sunderland centre halves in there. Um, and even town centre like George Emerson. I think there's someone said to me actually, if you really watch it, George Emerson sort of takes away some of the Sunderland defence. Okay. You probably think George Emerson's going to be the one who's going to header it, but yeah. he takes them away. And then Colin Chapman's there just with a boom, bullet header, as AJ say, and um, sort of a perfect man, you know, stepping in to be captain as well. That was a big question mark as well. Definitely with Massimo not in the team, who will be captain? And uh, double C, Colin Chaplin, you know, steps in as captain and. Uh, he put in a, a proper captain's performance and uh, led by example, as always. Mm. Yeah, you may be able to. I don't know if you're pick, picking up on your joke. Benson is going mental downstairs. That's because the the dreaded, feared, hated window cleaner has just arrived, I'm told. Um, so he's trying to kill him through every window in the house at the moment. Uh, so I think the wife is going to take him out to ease the bloodlust. Um, but there's a chance at some point the window cleaner may appear at this window. And if we're lucky, friends, he'll have his shirt off because he loves it. Um, and we can we can we can get a shirtless window cleaner live on KOA. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the game. Away from that, before I get distracted, AJ Town two one up could have been three one. Luke Wolfenden hits the post. It's it's almost a carbon copy actually in terms of the chance. Leaf Davis creates it. Looks as though he's going to play it to Connor Chapman. Connor Chapman tries to chest it, doesn't he? Goldwoods, uh, and then it ends up. I guess it's one of those snap chances which suddenly appears at the defeat of Wolfenden and, and he and he guides it onto the post. Not a lot more I don't think he could have done with that given the, the pace of the ball. But um another no. chance. Yeah Mark, also it's one degree what window cleaner is going out in one degree. He's hardy mate, let me tell you. He, he he's got um he's <laughs> maybe saying a bit too much but he's got his the lads he's got um pierced nipples and he likes to get them out. Um <laughs> okay, so fair enough. If, if we're lucky, as I say, he'll appear at the window shirtless. Okay, we'll have uh, to wait and see. <laughs> With his nips standing to attention in the cold. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's thrown off whatever point I was going to make there. Yeah. yeah. Back to uh, <laughs> Yeah. The um, free kick, carbon yeah. copy, as you said. Um, I can't remember who exactly it was. Who, I think it was Sarmiento who actually got fouled, getting involved in everything. Mm. He's up for a scrap. There's a bit of feistiness in him. He was drawing fouls. He was getting stuck in. So he's the one who draws the foul down the left this time. Um. I think we'd spoke a little bit about in, in the build-up to this. Town can threaten from set pieces. It's something that we saw them do twice against Wimbledon. Maybe hasn't quite happened enough in the last kind of few weeks and months because it has been a strength of theirs in terms of really threatening from corners, from free kicks. They get an identical chance from this one. And um, yeah, really should end up in the back of them there. Again, Chaplin kind of there to almost prod it over the line. Then comes to Wolfenden. Wolfenden split seconds probably doesn't also want to get a face full of post as well. I don't think that would be great if he went like proper headfirst into uh, into the metal, but he, he does 
almost go where it hurts. It's a close range header and, and smacks it against the post. Would have obviously killed the game off. Um, good to see them really threatening from set pieces. That's important. Mm. Um, biggest thing for me after that is the way that they managed the game towards the end because you look back to the Sunderland game, the reverse fixture at the Stadium of Light, they were that was horrible. Do you, do you remember the like 17 minutes of stoppage yeah. time they had there? Um, 2 1 going into that. I think Sunderland had about three or four chances to get their equaliser and town edged it over the line. This is probably one of the more comfortable finales that we've seen. I was kind of finishing my report with 91 on the clock and thinking they're not going to equalise. This is absolutely fine. And it was really good to see how comfortable that was. Yeah, it was pretty solid, wasn't it? It, it didn't really feel like Sunderland were going to get back into it. And mm. speaking of solid, We've already mentioned him, the big unit, the fridge himself, George Edmondson. Let's finish with a little bit of um, praise for him because he's come into the side clearly with with big Cam Burgess away. Uh, and for a guy who's he's had two seasons ended prematurely with an ankle injury, he's not he's not played a lot of football. Clearly, there was talk of him perhaps departing uh, in January. He's been sensational, Ross, to come back in. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of uh, of Fridge. I think he's mm. always when he signed, you know, it was a big signing. You know, I think he signed on like a four year deal from Rangers. Um, and yeah, he sadly had some injury problems, and um, obviously he's had a few mistakes in him as well. Um, in pre season, that was like the, I think there was a Stevenage game. Obviously, that was it wasn't a great game, and obviously it's just pre season and all that sort of stuff. But um, he stepped up in the last few games. You know, for Cameron Burgess, you know, comes in for Stoke. Um, you know, keeps a clean sheet there. And then this one against Sunderland, you know, they've got a forward line who can score like Jack Clark, obviously got the goal. But, you know, for him to come in, George Emerson, and really, really be solid. When he even came in for the cup games, he impressed as well, didn't he, against mm. the Premier League sides. Um, but for him to get some now regular minutes, I think that's what he wants. Um, and I think, you know, fans love him, don't they? They love him because of the fridge, the nickname. And he's just, he's a solid player and he can play that left-sided Set a half roll really well, um, and yeah, he's got he's got a big month now to to keep playing well, and um, yeah, you never know. With Cam Burgess is back, if he's played really well, Fridge, it may be difficult for Cam Burgess to get back in the side, but mm. that's the risk you take for going to play for your country and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, he's going to do that, you know, and he may potentially win the Asian Cup. You never know, but um, no, fair play to Cam, um, Cameron Burgess. Well, fair play to George Emerson. Mm. Right, let's hear from, from the fridge, shall we? Because AJ, you spoke to him after the game. On an individual level, you've obviously had quite a good run in the team recently with um, Cameron Burgess being off on international duty. Have you kind of adapted to that, playing quite regularly for the first time in a little while? Yeah, um, I've just got to make sure I do things right. Um, obviously, I've been waiting for for run of games and I've got it, so I've just got to make sure <clears throat> I point the performances now, stay in the team, and then also on the flip side, you know, do my recovery properly, get to the pool, do my ice baths, you know, all the kind of boring stuff you have to do as uh, footballers. But obviously I've been waiting for this and now I've I've got to maintain my performances, stay in it and, and do the other side as well. It's been quite a big opportunity going into the transfer window, for example. There have been talks and kind of links, rumours, bits of Portsmouth, for example. And it feels like at the moment you're not going to be going anywhere just because of how important you've been to the team. Now I think uh, somebody's doing a bit of paper talk. To be honest, when I've seen it, even I've seen it. So, uh, but now I, I love it, Amy. Uh, I think it's brilliant. Love the manager, love the lads. Um, obviously, there's only one direction. I think the club's going, and I know every club says that, but I think Ipswich really, really mean it. Um, so, you know, it's the. I feel like it's the place to be at the minute. So I don't get why why you would leave. Leave. 
AJ, your your internet's getting a bit glitchy, but we'll we'll persevere. Um, he's not going anywhere, is he? Fridge, why would why why would he leave? As he says, and also why would Tan let him go? Yeah, I might have to move on to my hotspot in a minute. Oh, we're losing my caller. Oh, am I cutting in and out? Oh, oh no, we've got you no. back. I think. Continue, Luxembourg. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we got you. I mean, no. Oh no, you've got again. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll leave... I think he's properly frozen now, AJ. He's turned into a statue. So, Ross, why don't you talk about Edmondson? I really have, haven't I? <laughs> oh, you have. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> AJ, back. are you back? Can you can you talk? Am I back? I'm on my hotspot. Can you hear okay. me? Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. you're okay. Yeah. Do you okay. Wanna... This will probably we'll try badly, again, but I'll, we'll try again. One thing yeah. I was going to say with, with um, George Edmondson, this is probably best place for you to answer. He loses his voice quite a lot. I'm told it's kind of a common thing with him. You notice he, when that happens, he sounds a bit like Tyson Fury. He There's does, definitely yeah. Definitely elements of that yeah. in him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was really impressed, and I think Ross's point of saying Cameron Burgess might have a job to get back into this team is actually quite an interesting one, and it might actually be true in a sense that for quite a while he was considered the better centre back of the two, I think. Yeah. You know, he's played at a higher level technically, probably in, in Rangers. Um there are different elements to his game that he'd be better at. And I uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the decision is. And you've gone from a position where centre backs may be a little bit patchy in terms of trying to fit players in. You're moving Tanzebe out, you're losing Burgess, you're thinking, well, could you recruit another centre back at the moment? Um he's right in the thick of the team. And that's not just in terms of he's plugging a gap. I don't think, I think that he's really showing that he's capable of doing more. His physicality is excellent. His positioning is excellent. Um, There's just a lot of really good kind of sides to his game. And I think that alongside Luke Wolfenden, he's really been shining quite well. I think that the balance of having a good centre-back on the ball in terms of Wolfenden and having that physical presence next to him is a balance that's worked really, really well. So um, excited to see what he can do. He deserves the chance. And maybe we're in now a little bit of a similar position to um, the one where Christian Walton got injured at the start of the season. Vaz came in. Vaz kept his position. And now you've got Walton as number two. And obviously that's different with centre-backs because there's not just one position. But is this now a chance where we can see George Edmonton try and nail that down? I think there's a really good chance. And I really hope he takes the opportunity over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of been forgotten now, isn't it? But because of the injuries and in being out of the side, but um, there was a time, Ross, not too long ago, where George Edmondson was one of the first names on the team sheet, and to suggest that he not play or or you know um, not be in the side would have been at the time would have been ridiculous. Yeah, I'm trying to think when that was that moment where maybe when Cameron Burgess was coming in, you know, definitely last season. Obviously, he's had those injuries, George Edmondson, so that's when yeah. he wasn't available anyway. Um, but yeah, when he first signed, as I said, he, he signed like on a massive deal and he was performing week in, week out. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's had to bide his time, you know, George, and he's come in and he, he's done well. And yeah, so he's got, he's got this month now. Actually, he's got Leicester and then, of course, got the FA Cup game. Uh, but yeah, Leicester's going to be a big step up. Obviously, I know they're missing a lot of players and we'll look ahead to that game. That's going to be another big game for him to play against a, a team who are doing really well. So, um, yeah, good to see. And for him to shut down those those rumours is always good as well uh, because he's mm. like, yeah, he loves to be here. And why would you want to leave? There's a lot of players who are probably going, why would I want to leave? It, on, 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 like, if Leif Davis, like, a, like 10 million, 15 million for him, 
then potentially that's a, another talking point. But um, but now, nah, good to see George doing well. He does have a good chance for a run, I think, now when you look at the games coming up. So if Australia go deep into the Asian Cup, as you probably expect that they will at least make the, the final four. That's going to take him out until February 10th. Um, that's going to be the West Brom game. So you've got Leicester away, Maidstone, then you've got Preston away, and then West Brom. Then if you want to rush Burgess back in straight from that, it's going to be a lot of games he's played and a lot of travel, all those kind of things. You could have him back for Millwall, but by that time you kind of got four or five games. It's a really good run for him to have, thinking that he's already played full 90 against Stoke, full 90 against Wimbledon, full 90 against Sunderland. This is his chance, absolutely. It's not just like he's got a couple of games to come in and show what he can do. This is now mm. going to be an extended run where it's realistically going to be, you'd say, him and either Wolfenden or Twanzebe because they're the two right-sided centre-backs. It's this huge opportunity now. Um, he's been waiting for this and it's been so hard because the, the back two have performed so well and then bringing in Tanzebe, someone of his experience as well, won't have helped his kind of chances in the team. Um, yeah, really hope that he can take this. Excellent. And I hope you can take your chance now on your new, new internet, AJ. Hopefully that will um, last until the end of the show. Well then, friends, we've spent 50 minutes talking about the game, which is a long time for us. We've had lots of good clips and, and good things to talk about. Is there anything else from the game you want to talk about before we move on to something completely different? Um, briefly, Harry Clark, really impressive. My man in the match. Um, had a couple of wobbly moments, but showing that, you know, there are talks of maybe him being the second choice behind Brandon Williams, and that's a whole other topic of conversation with Brandon. But with Harry Clark nailed on first choice, no matter what now, he's performing at such a high level. And after a wobbly start, great to see. Um, one of the first names on the team sheet. I think he's giving absolutely everything. He's defending bravely. He's attacking really well. And he's really, really impressed me. Mm. Rossi, anything from you? Just the just atmosphere, really. If it was a better atmosphere, as I said earlier in the show. Um, and yeah, when the goal went in, Conor Chapman's goal went in, it was just goosebumps, really, when that went in. And uh, definitely the full-time whistle. I think it was a relief for for the players, uh, McKenna and, and the fans. And um, a lot of happy faces leaving that ground with a, a big win. Um mm. was... Yeah, Port on Road. We haven't seen those for the last few, you know, weeks and months. So, um, nah, big, big win under lights. Happy days. Right then, friends, from the gladiators of Ipswich Town to the actual gladiators on the telly. Now, friends, I'm not. This would probably work better if she was here because I fear that my two young friends may not have much to add to this conversation. But the gladiators returned on Saturday night, and I know. Having looked at the demographic of our listenership, our, our viewership, this will be relatable to a lot of you out there. It was tremendous, friends. I don't know if you watched it, but it was basically like being transported back to the mid-90s. The same show, um, the same theme music, the same games. So I thought, friends, we'd have a little bit of fun. And I wanted to know, boys, I, I'm, I'm imagining you at least have a vague knowledge of what the Gladiators is and, and what it meant to the zeitgeist back in the 90s. It was like this cultural phenomenon. Saturday nights back in the 90s. I think that's when actually humanity peaked was the mid 90s 95 96 you had baywatch on a saturday night followed by gladiators it was a wonderful time to be alive uh, especially if you're if you're a young lad let's be honest um so friends rossi we've talked before about how gold you would be on any tv show involving reality but i want to see you on gladiators ross uh, and i wondered ross what what do you reckon if you were on gladiators as a gladiator clearly given your powerful thighs um, what would your uh, what would your gladiator name be, and what what games do you reckon you would thrive at? This is assuming you know what any of the games are, which I bet you don't. I don't really. 
I know there's one where you got hit each other with the yeah jewel. Jewel, yeah. sticks, the massive yeah. cotton wool woods, yeah. Yeah, I probably won't be good, any good at that, to be fair. I haven't really got the strength for that, really. Um, I have watched the documentaries, the American Gladiators. Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? It's really good, yeah. 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 Uh, so it gave me some insight on that. Um, I'm just, I like to run about a lot. So maybe something like that. Is there a game about that? Just when you just run about and you try to chuck things in. There's, there's that game that you have to chuck, chuck yeah, things. Yeah, there's, there's, there's Powerball, which is like a yeah. kind of a, a game where you have to kind of evade the Gladiator's grasp and put it yes. in if you're a gladiator um what what, what do you reckon you'd be called because they've got they've got they've got they've got big names you know like giant scorpion beard nitro can be yeah, beard. The beard. <laughs> i think maybe because of the phrase i use a lot and uh, maybe it's a bit too soft actually jazzy jazz <laughs> i think there has been a jazz in the past um yeah. and i think Bobby i was jazzy. a female gladiator but jazzy yeah absolutely why not AJ, what would you be? You're a gladiator. You're wearing a, a very skin tight unitard. What's your what's your uh, what's your gladiator name? Do you reckon? Oh, I know what it'll be. Of course, it'll be oh. it'll be it'll be, it'll be Ice Man, won't it? I knew you were going to do that. Or I maybe knew Choir you were Boy. Do that. Brilliant. Yeah, I don't think Choir Boy would have the same ring. Ice Man. Yeah, that could go quite well. I could do yeah. that. I can't lie. I've just been having a panic moment going through and looking at all the photos of this to understand. I have a vague idea, as you said, but having to look at like well, gladiators challenges is not a thing like because you were you were not even a, a glint in the eye. I know of it. Gladiators was at its peak. Well, um, no, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit before my time. I like the one where they're running around in the metal balls. That looks quite fun. Um, I'm oh, not exactly uh, yeah. Sure which one? That, I can't that, I'll do that. Now they used to have to push these massive cages onto. Onto buttons, which which then um, sent smoke into the air. I can't actually. Remember oh, that, that sounds great! I'll do that. Yeah. yeah, I'll do that one. I'll be the Ice Man running around in the metal cages trying to push buttons. That sounds great. So we've got we've got Jazzy, we've got Ice Man, and obviously uh, my my name would be Granddad, <laughs> <laughs> the Granddad of the Gladiators, because um, I'm probably a little bit too old. I'm in the in the demographic now of the Wolf Man from back in the day. He was about fifty, uh, and he just basically started fights with the referee. But moving on from that, friends seamlessly into something else I want to talk about, which um, captured my attention. I uh, was listening to the show last week and you obviously were talking about Ross's actual doppelganger taking over at Burton Albion. So I thought we could have a bit of more fun with this in terms of lookalikes. And, and Rossi, this is freaky. So this is, this is new Burton Albion boss, Martin Patterson. And he like, this may be proof that time travel exists. I mean, there's the, the standard picture of Ross. Have you ever taken a picture of Ross where you're actually looking at the camera, first of all? Because you, you do this kind of wistful looking into the middle distance from side on in every picture. Um, but, I mean, literally, like, what, 15, 20 years down the line, you are going to look exactly like Martin Patterson. If you persevere with the current <laughs> look, which, you know, who knows where you'll go sartorially in the next few years. Um, but this, this is spooky, mate. Genuinely spooky. Yeah, that I got messages so many so many people like saying are you become the new Burton Albion manager I went uh, yeah no but yeah I got sent the picture and and yeah if I had a bit more greys in the beard um obviously I'm, I'm waiting a fresh trim this week so my hair is a bit all over the place at the moment but um but yeah I, I even showed it to, to Sasha and she was like that is freaky um didn't, didn't I, she didn't she didn't she say something else to you when you when you yeah a D word got chucked out. Uh, yeah, divorce. Uh, more, more joking, more joking. But um, but he's only thirty six, so you know he's only you know nine years older than me. But uh, 
but yeah, it can be scary. As you said, there is a twin. You've got a twin somewhere, haven't you, around the world. And um, mine's at Burton Albion. So uh, I've got to head down to the Derby later because they're playing Derby um, tonight. Big game, so. big game for your boys tonight, Rossi. Uh, obviously, there'll be no players over the age of 30 in the side. Um, but generally, I think that's, that is that is a freaky one. It also got me... I mentioned Gladiators. The referee is Mark Clattenburg, former Premier League referee, taking the John Anderson role. And someone on Instagram said that I look like Mark Clattenburg, which I don't know. Let's have a look, shall we? Okay, Ross. First of all, it doesn't fill the screen. So just look, look past that. You can just see my hand look in the corner. Hello. But um, what are we saying, boys? Mark Clattenburg. I can kind of see it. It's more in the kind of, I think, because we've both got, you would describe as prominent proboscis, basically a big nose. Um so I can kind of see it. But the one that I think really works for me is, I think it's our old friend Bono pointed out, is Sean McVay, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams in the NFL. Um, and this is us side by side. Yep. Like that. That's oh, pretty, yeah. Isn't it? That's, yeah. Pre- that's pretty similar. And it just so happens I've got a picture of me there with a headset on, just like Sean. There's also another Uncanny One Friends, which relates to this pod. Um, and I think it may have been quite important in you getting the job in the first place, AJ. I think subconsciously, because there is a, there is more than a a passing likeness between you and our old friend the Hutchman. Yeah, right, this doesn't really show because this is a picture. If you're not if you're not watching, this is a picture of Hutchie and AJ side by side. Now we know Hutchie famously couldn't grow any facial hair, um, whereas AJ clearly is not troubled by that. Um, but genuinely, Rossi, this maybe is not the best picture to show it, but there is a real similarity, isn't there, between between Alex and and Andy. Yeah, they both go to West Ham sometimes. Yeah. Uh, they both like football kits. Uh, and they're yeah, both they quite diminutive. Very... They're both yeah. quite similar to kind of height. Pretty much. Um, they both they both love, bloody love football. Um, I think they both like I... Scandinavia. You like Scandinavia, don't you, AJ? Um, sure. There wasn't really a standout thing, but we'll go with it, yeah. Just, just for the vibe. I don't know where you got that from. Um, yeah, why not? I like Scandinavia now. Well, I think Rossi's maybe talking about your your uh, your formative years in Europe, which which I don't think yeah. was in Scandinavia. But you know, it's, not it's quite taking, the there right is a little... part of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, um, listen, all right, you both like Europe, fine. We'll leave it there. Um, yeah. But but AJ, also, I've noticed that you've you've got like similar characteristics in terms of. Like, I noticed when you when you um, we had your interview in in uh, Tim Hortons. You were wearing a hoodie, which is one of Andy's favourite garments. He famously hated wearing anything smart, which is funny now because he has to wear a suit for every game. Um, but also, you were kind of pulling your your hood, uh, your um, sleeves, kind of over your thumbs, which uh-huh. is something that Andy does. Right. So okay. I, I'm sure, as much as you're a very talented young journalist and uh, clearly worthy of, of the job on your own merits, I think subconsciously that was like, this guy looks like Andy. And he's, he's behaving like Andy. What's going on? So uh, I reckon that played into your hands. I didn't realise that there have you... were um, that many similarities. No. Absolutely, there are, friend. Um, have you have you got? Because what we need now are lookalikes, obviously for AJ um, Ross. We're never going to find a better lookalike for you. And I think Sean McVay is a good one for me. The other one I get is Billy Bragg, but um, he's kind of old and grey now. So when you look at a side by side picture, it doesn't really work. I've got maybe after a few years when I've greyed up a little bit, gone silver fox. Um, we need one for Stu because we've got generic ones for bald men. Like we, you know, Jason Statham, Vin Diesel, Harry Hill, like none of them, The Rock, yeah, but none <laughs> of them really. I mean, let's be honest, none of them really look like Watson, do they? Um, 
So we need we need a good solid lookalike for Watson that we can talk about, friends. If you have any for AJ, I think that's the uh, the window cleaner. Uh, if you have any for AJ or indeed uh, Stewie, do let us know because um, it's just a bit of fun, isn't it, friends? Uh, speaking of fun, should we move on to Leicester City away on Monday? It's a bit of a strange week this week, isn't it? In that we've got this this week stretching ahead of us, and there's no game at the weekend because it's a week today. There he is. He's got his hat on. Look. Um, he's not shirtless. He's uh, you he's have let us on. down here. He's he freezing. The poor man. He's got a big coat on. He has. We'll, we'll we'll plow on. Sorry, friends. I had promised you nudity. Um, but Leicester City they lost at the weekend three one at Coventry, which is a bit of a shock. Uh, and they also had some fairly kind of big things happen in terms of personnel. Abdul Fattahu, one of their excellent wingers, was sent off straight red, so he'll be missing against Town. People saying that that might get overturned. I can't see that being overturned. Um, it, it was fairly clear to me. And also Enzo Maresca will be missing because he got booked as well. So he's hit the threshold. So AJ, we'll be going to Leicester with the boss missing, one of their key wingers missing. Obviously, Indeedy, one of the, the kind of the heart of their engine room is injured. They've got players at AFCON. The only striker they've got really at the moment is Tom Cannon. So this is a good time to be going to Leicester, isn't it? Yeah, I can't think of a better one. I think the biggest frustration is the fact it's so far away in terms of the, the timing now. We've got a week mm. to wait. If this was coming up earlier, if it was a midweek, it was a Friday night, even on Saturday, you'd be thinking they've got less time to prepare, they've got less time to try and find the answers to a, a lot of problems that they've got at the moment. Um, with a week, they've got a little bit more time. Hopefully, Town can then figure out how to cause them some problems without the absentees. One of the biggest things is that you can have a good idea of what the team's going to be, aren't you? Because their options aren't massive in that sense. Um, they've got, well, so they've got four quality strikers in that squad. Two are at AFCON with Ianacho and Daka. Then they've got Jamie Vardy um, of the Wagatha Christie trial fame, who's injured as well. So he's yeah. probably not going to be involved there. So you're looking, as he said, with Tom Cannon just leading the line. And Didi's a big miss, although they've got a lot of players in the area, you know, your Harry Winks and people like that, who can come mm. in and play that role. Um, the manager's a big one as well because Enzo Maresca, in terms of the energy he has on the touchline, he's bouncing up and down like the Duracell bunny. So losing that kind of energy in the way that he wants to shout and talk to his players all the time, it's going to be a huge miss. Is someone like Willy Caballero, who's, uh, I think, quite a famous profile from the Premier League even quite recently. He's the assistant manager. Is he going to be able to take on that role as well? I don't know. Will that then be a blow? potentially. So you've got a lot of question marks hanging over them going into this game. Um, the only downside to it is that they've got quite a while to try and find the solutions. But mm. overall, yeah, I don't think there's a better time to be playing when you look at how strong they've been and how strong their squad has been. They're going to be really hurting off a, a big defeat in the derby, which um, is one they've not lost. God, I don't even know. I think the last time they even dropped points in it was in like 2011. They don't play too often and that will hurt them a lot. They don't lose many games town have lost the fewest games in the entire league now after this one mm. so um it'd be interesting to see how they want to react to that how they can react to that and how they're going to use the next week or so to try and fix a lot of issues that they've got going on Coventry look good actually Saturday they, mm. they've got some good players haven't they um Callum very very good player yeah uh some controversial decisions the penalty on uh, that was given on uh on Drewsbury Hall was interesting because I don't know if you saw the replay he rolled over and I think on his penultimate role, he looked back to check the referee was looking 
uh, and then kind of did a final roll to win the penalty. It was unusual. But well, how we, you touched, uh, we touched on that. So I just went to that. We yeah. touched on the one thing we didn't mention in the Sunderland bit. Did we all see Mari Hutchinson getting wiped into oblivion? Yeah. What was one of the clearest penalties ever? Um, yeah. Look, I'm not that fussed in kind of decisions. I don't want to linger on it too much. The only thing that matters to me is consistency. And geez, that was none in that, was there? Blimey. Absolutely not. You're right. That's uh, that's an oversight, but we've we've covered it there. Rossi, how are you feeling? I mean, clearly it's a week away yet, but um, trip to Leicester, uh, maybe a bit of a free hit given they're flying. But if you're going to have a free hit, you want, I guess, you want it to be against a team that, that's weakened as well. Yes, yeah, it should be a really good game. You know, under lights as well. Another game on telly. Monday night football, which mm. is um, we may have to get used to that, ladies and gentlemen. We may have to get used to that. Uh, I do miss those 3 p.m. kickoffs I mentioned on the pod before. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, you know, this is games, you know, you look forward to, don't you, when the calendar came out. Obviously, we had a fantastic game against them at Porton Road on Boxing Day. And I think it's going to be very similar. Obviously, they are missing those players, as you, you guys have mentioned. But um, but no, it's, it's a, a, an opportunity, you know, a perfect opportunity to play them because that's what we mentioned. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, they got the players have now got a week, a very rare full week, on the training ground to um, prepare for this game and um, yeah, get ready for it. Be interesting to know how McKenna approaches it, won't it? Given that they're not playing on Saturday, whether or not he might give the, the players a day or two off or a day off, maybe just to completely recover and rest up a little bit. Um, it'd be interesting to know. We'll, uh, we're thinking the press is Friday. So uh, that'll be when AJ gets the chance to, to speak to McKenna about preparations for a Monday night game. Very different. Um, Rossi, before we get going, Tractor Girls played at the weekend, FA Cup. It was a, a big ask for them, wasn't it, against Charlton, who were flying in the, in the league above, uh, and they duly lost. But it sounds like they were they gave a good account of themselves, took the lead. Yeah, they did. Yeah, didn't describe themselves. Um, Charlton are, are flying. They're um, potentially Super League bound, you know, top league in women's football. So, um, yeah, to take the lead was very impressive. You know, Sophie Pescott, who's one of our one of our best players um, scored a very good goal to make it 1-0. And um, we did really well for the next 10 minutes or so. But Charlton showed their their you know their players, they stepped up and scored. Um, it was 3-1 at half-time. Frag Godfrey playing against her former side, obviously. She scored from the penalty spot. You know, we didn't... We just There was just mistakes, unfortunately, that, that saw Charlton score. They didn't really score... Um, from really open play, maybe their fourth goal was the open play goal, but um, they did really well against a very good team. And I think that the fans will be very proud of the side for them to step up against a very good championships team. They've already beaten um, a second tier team on Lewis in the previous round, so they, they've been able to show they can play at that level if they can get there. Um, 770 in attendance, which is fantastic, wow. good crowd. Mm. Um, and it was just a good occasion and a good day all around. So, um, yeah, a disappointing. You know, to be knocked out of the competition, but um, they'll there was no disgrace in there. So um, there'll be a Tractor Girls Talk podcast coming soon to discuss all that. Um, and yeah, just it's now all on the league. They're in the quarterfinals of the League Cup, so that's a big game against Portsmouth in a few weeks' time. But um, no, uh, a proud a proud side um, putting a good performance against a very good Charlton side. And they're back this weekend, aren't they, Rossi? Is it Brentford they've got this weekend? Uh, London Bees, London Bees oh, yeah. at the um, the Hive where Barnet play, so a, a stadium game for the girls and uh, looking to bounce back after they lost against Oxford a few weeks back. So uh, yeah. an opportunity to get a win there. 
excellent okay we've done 17 minutes now boys of podcast um so we better start wrapping things up aj anything else to mention this week obviously we'll be back hopefully later on this week to talk about leicester it's gonna be a bit of a strange one as to when we do that given the uh the, the games on uh on a monday um but we'll we'll try and get something to you certainly um ahead of that anything else to mention aj um slight tangent but want to raise it as a, a point very briefly uh i want to mention reading because they've got so much crap right. going on right now did you see the yeah. jim you all saw the the game got abandoned mm. with the pitch invasion there which i think most people almost everyone should totally support um really grim scenes there but i think bringing that to as many people's attention as possible is important because the last thing you'd ever want to see is your club going to the stages that Reading have gone to. So fingers crossed they can get that one sorted soon because it's looking bleak. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of thing just reminds you how lucky that town are to have owners that back the club and go th- about things the right way because clearly that's not always the case in football and we've seen a lot of teams suffer as a result. Uh, Rossi, anything else from you? Just a shout out to the club, really, for um, their tribute to all the the town fans who um, mm. sadly passed away last year. It was just um, you know a good moment just to you know celebrate. You know, once a blue, always a blue. Um, you know, a lot of you know sadly you know people passed away in twenty twenty three, and um, just it was just great for the club to do that. And uh, yeah, fortunate with all the families and everyone of those people who passed away. But yeah, always, always that phrase: once a blue, always a blue. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Indeed, a point way to end the show, friends. Right, just reminding the support our sponsor, use the code Curry at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all the excellent club, especially I'm sure lots of you now planning your summer escapes, your holiday escapes, uh, and uh, working on that summer bod. And that summer bod can be deliciously hair free if you use the products from Manscaped, uh, not only below the waist, but also above the belt up your nose, in your ears, all that kind of stuff. And also a little beard trimmer as well, get involved in that. So that's code KOA at manscaped.com. Also, friends, leave us a five-star review on iTunes because it helps lift our visibility in the charts. We've not had um, many of those for a while. It's just really nice to get some feedback from you. Feeds our massive egos, he says, mainly talking about himself. So if you could leave a five-star review, that'd be tremendous. And also, obviously, follow us all across social media, Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Will there be a fan social on Thursday night, Rossi? They shall be, yeah. Excellent. Look out for that. I'm also chatting later on today with Arnold Allen, our UFC star, big Ipswich Town fan who fights in Toronto this weekend. Big fight for him uh, on a massive card for the UFC. So look out for that. We'll put that out as a free video on the Kings of Anger YouTube channel in due course. Right then, friends. First pod of the week is in the books. It's been quite a long one, uh, but there's quite a lot to talk about, including, obviously, gladiators uh, and lookalikes. Um, so important. I'm sure you agree that we got that in. Have a great start to the week, friends. And we'll be back later on this week to talk to you again.
with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.